Good morning. I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the January 9th, 2024 edition of Ask a Leader. Today, my guests cover the world in two different ways, two different constructs. Help yourselves, listeners, as we start with Richard Downey, president of the World Affairs Council of Orange County, to talk about what our local chapter is about these days. He will survey some highlights and move into what they've got planned for uh, 2024. They just hit it out of the park all year long last year, so I am kind of at the edge of my seat how it's going to be this year. And in the second segment is Alonzo King, co-founder, artistic director, and choreographer of Lines Ballet in advance of his San Francisco company performing one evening only January 20th at Sagerstrom Hall, presenting a repertoire spanning 25 years. We'll be right back with Richard Downey. Don't go away, anybody. back to the show. My first guest is Richard Downey, president of the World Affairs Council of Orange County, to talk about some pretty interesting yields from our local chapter. It's been a fascinating place to hang out with all those poli-sci geeks, career officials, retirees, aspiring analysts, all of it. I finally arranged to have their president join me on air to bring recent past highlights events around the corner, and highest aspirations since, well, why not? Prior to helming the council, Richard Downey was managing director of Delphi Strategic Consulting in Redondo Beach and their international security affairs consultant in Virginia. He's on the faculty of the Thayer Leader Development Group at West Point and is a life member of the Council on Foreign Relations. He completed his Bachelor's of Science at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. He then traded coasts, completing both his Master's and Ph.D. in International Relations at USC. He comes to us live today from his office in Irvine. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Richard Downey. Oh, thank you so much, Claudia. It's a really real pleasure to be with you and your audience. Well, thank you for that. And first, I it's the obvious one. We'd like to... Here you lay out the the actual charter and the aims of the World Affairs Council of Orange County for our listeners to just to be clear and we know there's things for people to to take in as sort of members of the community but you've got fellowships, internships and you're mentoring. So if you could break down all those functions and and charter elements there at the World Affairs Council. Oh, very good. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity. Um, and by the way, happy new year to all of the listening audience out there. Thank you. Uh, Likewise. But, thank you. The uh, World Affairs Council of Orange County is uh, where our focus has has been. This is we're a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization, 501c3. Uh, we have a mission to inform our members and the community uh, about global issues that affect our lives. And I can go into a little more detail about that. But we do host, uh, you know, programs for like our academic world quest uh, that reaches out to high schools in the area. We do a, a sort of a quiz bowl competition where the uh, local uh, the high schools all compete in and the local Orange County uh, team that wins, we send it to Washington, D.C. for the national uh, competition. We also reach out to uh, universities in the area, young professionals with various programs because uh, we want to get people interested and engaged in international affairs. We do, as you mentioned, Claudia, have uh, intern programs. And by the way, we have a lot of – most of our interns tend to come from UCI. So we're always happy to have interns. We usually have about six at a time. Uh, if you're interested, we'd love to, to hear from you, and I, we can certainly provide more information on that. We also have, have opportunities for fellowships for our fellows that in a variety of areas. But – the idea is 
to, uh, to focus on what we can do for this community. We want to help uh, all of you, our members, members of the community, businesses, families. We want to help you all navigate your lives more more successfully and effectively by knowing what's going on in the world around you and how it affects you and your lives. And I'm just wondering, when you're reaching out, how I want to know how that dance works. And I'm not sure if you're personally involved or your staff is doing it, but I imagine that it's all hands are on that deck of, are, are you finding that you're able to gauge a bit of international civics literacy? Can you give us what how you gauge what you're gauging when you're reaching out for those internships and any other let's say a younger age cohort to be a part of world affairs council's activities well i mean what we're trying to do is is get people interested and engaged in uh, in what's going on around in global affairs so if if you're interested in uh international relations foreign policy uh, those kinds of things this is the place <laughs> For people to come, we want to make it as interesting and as useful for everyone, so they will you know, have the opportunity to understand how things affect them. I mean, I I, I find this as a as an issue. Uh, most Americans really don't understand how things around the world affect them, their lives, their families, their businesses, and so what we uh, what we're trying to do is really help people get that thing understand that linkage between the world and their daily lives uh and uh, you know for i'll uh, just give you a quick example uh, and unfortunately we see this uh, so often in our politics today whether it's tends to be from both the left and the right far left and right we're seeing well look you know things around the world don't affect us i mean it's far venezuela is far china's far you know, Israel is so far. Why should we be involved? Ukraine is so far. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll just, just cite a couple of examples. Venezuela is a wonderful example. You know, the there's turmoil going on there, and it's far from us. Yet uh, that turmoil has caused a quarter of their population, 8 million people, to leave Venezuela. And you say, well, that's how, how terrible. But what happens to those refugees? Many of them, a great many of them, show up on our border. So there's a, a direct impact about what's going on. There's many things I could say about China, but one just quick example would be China produces precursor, precursor chemicals that they provide, sell to cartels in Mexico. And those cartels make those, uh, use those chemicals to make fentanyl, which crosses our border and kills between 70 to 100,000 people a year. I mean, that's a, a direct impact on us. And we see that, by the way, every day, sadly, uh, in all of our communities and, uh, and, and in a state around the country. Uh, I mean, you've seen, for example, what's going on with Hamas and Israel. I mean, we're not there. We, we're, we're trying to engage. But look how much impact it's had in, in our schools. I'm, I'm not sure how how much impact it's had on on UCI directly, but we've seen in the news around the country how how divisive this has been with student groups, for example, uh, supporting Hamas, supporting the Palestinian side, others supporting the uh, the Israeli side. We've we've seen this anti-Semitism rise dramatically as a result, and and groups supporting Hamas even without really understanding what what they're doing or what they're trying to do so uh it, it it there's a context around us that really impacts our our businesses in particular and our our, our daily lives well thank you for all that and i can say that it certainly has been a a, a an element uh, not just on the uc irvine campus but some of the students I've joined other community members, and it's been a big item on the Irvine City Council docket. So it's I, I will sign on to that part. So I'd like to know because I, I I really don't understand uh, what the how much autonomy your separate branch has from all of the other organizations, the World Affairs Council affiliates. Oh, oh thanks, Claudia. Yeah, the there's a an association. It's called the World Affairs Councils of America. It's not mandatory. It's really 
a facilitator so for to, to assist the, the councils and we we trade best practices we trade speakers we trade uh, lots of, of information to kind of help all of the these kind of organizations the world affairs councils just survive in many cases and do well uh, as well as we can and so each count each each council and, and by the way not all of them are named world affairs councils there's a variety of names but uh, there's 90 of these chapters throughout the country but each one really focuses on the not only the needs but the interests of the particular city where they happen to be located so i mean that's that really is the is the driving force they're all unique because they're all focused on the needs and desires of each city where they are uh, for example our world affairs council of orange county uh, is really really focuses as you know as most i'm sure of, of your listeners know there's a lot of international business going on here in Orange County. There's a lot of outreach. People come to Disneyland. Uh, the interaction worldwide is tremendous. And, you know, because of the, the strong economy that we have, I, I don't know how many of your, uh, your listeners might know that, but for California, for example, based on California's economy, if California were a country, we'd be about the fourth largest economy in the world. And that, that actually goes – to Orange County as well. We're the, uh, the gross regional product, you know, as opposed to for this county, for example, is over $281 billion. And, you know, if we were a country, we would be somewhere around the 40th largest country in terms of the, uh, of the economy. And so it's, you know, we have a lot of programs focused on how businesses, how uh, our community can understand and benefit from what we what's going on around the world what's whether that be a threat whether that be an opportunity those kinds of things so it depends on on really the the needs and desires of uh, of each of each particular council or whatever the organization happens to be called to the kind of focus that they put on programming events uh, whether there are we're, we're going to be starting for example tours of not only national security uh, areas here in this country, but many councils, and we'll start doing that as well, Taking be taking trips to other countries wow. to understand the issues. So okay. that's not, but, but every, basically it's fairly unique. That's okay. So Fairmount then. Well, talk about, now your venues are, you're, they're based in Irvine. That's where the office is. But you move all of your events they're all over orange county so you're you're pretty much giving everybody a, a an even shot at attending all of these and they're, they're just so rich so i'm so and then there there's of course there's the local in-person sorts of venues as well as there was a particular a virtual and i'm going to save that for when we're talking about the highlights because it was a highlight and you were moderating that highlight from from my standpoint there's great for those of you who just joined us my guest is Richard Downey, president of the World Affairs Council of Orange County, to talk about their chapter and the highlights and the new lights is coming. So I, I, what I want for you to have a direct point of addressing here is why listeners, what, why they should attend. I mean, you've already mentioned that, but I would like for you to sort of assure listeners this is not an echo chamber. It's, a pretty, it's not a monolithic kind of following. There, there are people all over the political spectrums can you talk about the varied demographics of your attendees yeah absolutely well you know one of the things claudia what we are uh, what we really kind of pride ourselves on as i mentioned at, at the beginning we're a nonpartisan organization nonprofit, and we believe in this highly polarized political environment that we live in today in this country uh, in particular we provide a public service because we, we don't advocate for any policy or side, and that's really rare these days. Uh, and so what we, uh, we have people from all sides of the political spectrum. And, uh, I mean, I, uh, you mentioned the, the gala that we had uh, earlier on. We, we had a wonderful gala last month, for listeners who weren't aware. Uh, we had about 460 people attend. It was 
that was the max that the Westin's South Coast Plaza could uh, could accommodate, actually. And so, but it was a wonderful event. And the the, uh, the two co-chairs of the gala, it was with uh, Lieutenant General uh, uh, H.R. McMaster, yeah. who was the former National Security Advisor. He, uh, what a wonderful discussion, which I'll, I can talk about later. But the, I, I want to mention the two co-chairs of the gala. One of them is a young uh Left, very, very far left-leaning uh, uh, person and a, uh, a young woman, and the other is a very far right-leaning um, uh, man. But they get along wonderfully because there's no, and they did. They just have, did an absolutely terrific job as the co uh, uh, co chairs of the gala committee because there was no politics involved. I mean, their their mission was. To, as it, as our organization is, is to inform uh, our our members in the community about the, these things that are going around the world, threats, opportunities, what have you, and so it, that's it, it. Doesn't play an issue, and so we have what we try to do is we present facts, we present speakers who it doesn't matter where that what side they come from, because we try to do this in, in such a way that we as a nonpartisan organization want to hear views from all sides. But then what is uh, very important for us is the opportunity afterwards. We typically have a moderated discussion. You know, there'll, there'll be a moderator and he'll ask a few questions of whatever speaker or panel we have. But then we open it up to the audience for Q&A. And it can be of any uh, any side, and because we don't expect people to agree or want them to agree, but we want them to be on un- uh, to understand all sides of the issues. And so we, uh, it's it's in fact it's very important for us. We don't allow speakers to come and give a speech and just leave. In fact, we've had we've had to cancel. I won't go into the country, but we were having we had a foreign minister from a country uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, who wanted to. Uh, just give a speech, and and we about three weeks uh, out from the event, which is by the way, like tomorrow for us. Three weeks is nothing as event planners. Uh, yes. We we had to to say no, and we had to jump through hoops to get a new speaker, be, because it's so important for our members and our audience. Uh, anyone from the community can can uh, is, is always welcome to come in and hear and and ask questions and get a response back from these speakers to understand both sides of the issue. And I, I've noticed that some uh, of the guest speakers, they'll refer to each other. They know, oh, I know what Lieutenant General retired Ben Hodges was saying about this. I know, and, 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 and you know, they're, they're interacting with each other over, over the timeline. It's pretty interesting. So I want to talk about, so I guess you, you just gave us the, the answer to the question I want to ask about the process and selection of the speakers. And we're, we're now talking about what's been happening. I mean, last year was amazing. And I'm going to mention, because I don't think people really understand how the guy we're listening to right now, Mr. Brass Tax, was, he was really in a very tight, challenging situation with a the October 16th, Israel-Palestine conflict, and the, the title, that's part of the titles, What You Need to Know with Dr. Alam Mutaseb. She's with the Cal State Santa Bernardino. She's a professor there. And then Daniel Siegel is a professor at Pitzer College. You moderated that. And it was, that was October 16. Things were just taking, they were opening up with their intensity right in that moment. And this was a virtual webinar panel and uh, that's I want ladies and gentlemen for people to understand Richard Downey was in a really interesting situation and it, it was a palpable challenge and you you powered through that I so respect what you got done and I uh, on, on on background we talked a little bit about the, how that composition of that forum changed and you ended up with a Venn diagram that was pretty much a circle, but you were trying to make it a, a figure eight or, or an oval. But um, so I I don't know if, if you want to volunteer anymore. I try to keep it pretty general so people can understand the effort you put into it and the relevance about it without my oversharing on, on a live audience. 
Well, no, thank you, Claudia. I, you know, that was a very, very interesting event in itself. I, you know, as you mentioned, we were, we tried to do something as quickly as we ca- as possible so people could understand the the situation in uh, Gaza and and Israel after, as as you all remember, it was a horrific attack attack by Hamas into Israel. I mean, just horrible, horrible, horrible um, murders and. Uh, assaults on women, all of these things. It was just a horrible situation. And I typically don't moderate. I don't, it's not because I don't enjoy it. I love to moderate, quite frankly. But what we, we want to bring in uh, others to moderate to, from different areas. And But in this one, I, I was afraid that it was going to be really contentious. Uh, you know, we, because as you mentioned, the professor from San Bernardino, uh, UC San Bernardino was a... Uh, or Cal State, Cal State San Bernardino. Cal, Cal State, sorry, Cal State San Bernardino and, uh, and from Pitzer were... were, were one, the, the, uh, uh, she was a, uh, a Palestinian woman and the uh, Professor Siegel from, uh, from Pitzer was a was Jewish man. And so I, I expected there to be a, a, a sort of back and forth and I... So I, I decided to moderate it because I thought it was going to be very tough. And we, we had really tried to get a, a more Zionist professor to so that uh, as well, we wanted the three of them, but they, uh, uh, they backed out actually. And so the, we had those, the two that we had, and it was very interesting. Dr. Siegel was a very liberal Jew. And so in, in, in fact, uh, it was, uh, he took the side of the Palestinians in many regards. So it was incumbent upon me to kind of push the, uh, the other side. Well, what about all of these, uh, you know, what about, they were very much downplaying the Hamas attack. And so it was up to me to try and push that the other side of the, of the argument or not the argument, but the other side of the situation so that we got a fair uh, discussion of the issues and where this was going. So, uh, they, they fortunately are not all that contentious, but it's it, what we try to do. The, it's a larger point I think you're trying to make, Claudia, is that we try to, to build on issues that are important that people need to know about as, as soon as we can. It's not always possible to do it as quickly. And we'd like to we prefer to do events in person. We've, we did 30 events last year, two of which were uh, on webinars because it was much easier and quicker to get this out. But we prefer to do it in, in person where people can really uh, get the feel to ask questions and things like that. But that one was a particularly interesting one, I agree. So Richard Downey, I just wanna, I would like to um, just push back a little bit on your characterization of their positions. I think it's not so much they were lightening up on Hamas, I think they had a different timeline. They wanted to roll the timeline way back for perspective from, you know, especially with uh, 1948, the status quo at that time, a little bit 1967, 1973. So I think it was, that's what their role was, not so much as to give Hamas, uh, characterize them in a, in a sort of a more gentle hand, I think. I just want to put that in there so that people understood what was, you know, how much, I mean, World Affairs Council did not shy away from that challenge. And so I'm, I'm always you are always going to be uh, lauded for how you handle it. So I know part of the reason Richard Downey wants to be here is to announce that next Tuesday that World Affairs Council of Orange County will be hosting for uh, it's on the 16th and he'll be on the in the World Affairs Council of LA the next day on the 17th. General Petraeus. So here's your chance to pitch the event for listeners. Oh yes, I uh, we would. Thank you, Clint. We, we would really appreciate um, all, all your listeners uh, attending that event. I think it'll be fascinating. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with General David Petraeus, he is uh, the former director of, of the Central Intelligence Agency. He's a very decorated um, uh, soldier. He was, the, he, he was in charge of, many of you may or may not be aware, when, uh, when we were in Iraq, in 2007, things were not going well, and uh, he developed a strategy called the surge to bring U.S. forces into uh, into Iraq that was very successful and literally turned the situation around. He was also uh, head of forces as in Central Command and, and uh, head of uh, 
forces in Af- Afghanistan for a long period, but he's, uh, he's an expert in counterinsurgency. He literally wrote the book. I would, uh, if, if you, he's, I'm sure many of you seen, have seen him on CNN and other places. He's always very insightful, uh, and he's uh, just an interesting, fascinating guy to, to listen to because he, he understands at every level the tactics and the strategy around the world on all of these issues. So if you have any interest at all in, uh, in global affairs, this, this event on Tuesday night at the Irvine Marriott is not to be missed. And the way, if you're interested in signing up, please go to our website at theworldaffairscouncil.org, uh, and you'll, you can see the link to that event, at, again, at the Irvine Marriott on the Tuesday, the 16th of January coming up. Uh, and it'll start at 5 o'clock. It goes to about 7.30, and uh, it's a, it'll, I guarantee it'll be a fascinating event and one you'll, you'll, you'll remember for a long time. And I might just suggest people book liberal amount of time for these events. Your speakers, Richard Downey, have been very generous and gracious to remain <laughs> a long time even after. There's, it's sort of there's the talk, there's the, the Q&A, and then there's the inner sanctum talk, and then there might be a little longer, longer inner sanctum. So I have benefited richly from the gracious, generous allotment of time from the speakers, and I have been. Uh, there's a there was a perk, and I've it, in one case I was able to exchange emails, and there's been a collaboration ever since. And I wouldn't have met those people, and had it not been for that the a the form and b that sort of receptivity of both the organization and the the feature speaker. So I imagine. For people saying, well, I don't know about General Petraeus, and uh, I, no, you should go. You should be ready with questions, and you should look for Richard Downey. Everybody can see him, his picture's up there on the KUCI announcement of today's show. It'll it'll disappear at 6 p.m., but you can also search Richard Downey on the web, and you'll find and say, ask him, say, make sure you ask my question of General Petraeus, because there's a, there's a lot to ask. So it's a, a very a great opportunity. Well, I... I know you've got a meeting to go to in three minutes, so I guess what I'm going to try to fire off is, what is a dream forum you'd love to arrange if resources were not limited? Well, <laughs> they, they unfortunately are limited, Claudia, but I'll tell you, the dream scenario for me is not about necessarily the speaker. It's getting, act, getting the folks in your audience and from UCI, from other schools around the area, our young professionals. My dream scenario is that they come to our events because they're uh, to hear the speakers they find interesting and get engaged, involved, to learn about what's going on. So it's less about, for me, who the speaker is, because as I, as I try to mention to uh, audiences, the, the most important person in our events is not the speaker. It's our attendees. That's why we bring terrific speakers, uh, so that, that, that our audience members can hear from them and ask, with, uh, and ask questions and get, uh, from, uh, get answers from those very distinguished, experienced, and uh, renowned speakers. So I, I strongly encourage your, the members of your audience to please, uh, please come to our events. Please join. If you have a chance, it's it's cheaper that way. If you're a member, and uh, and if you have any questions, please contact us. And I and again, Claudia, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your audience, and and look forward to doing it again. And I hope to hear from your audience members. And I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday at at the Petraeus event. So well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for that, and I just thank you for your time today, Richard Downey. My guest was Richard Downey, President of the World Affairs, oh, President and CEO, I must add, World Affairs Council of Orange County, talking about their local chapter. We've got the highlights, and we, we don't know more than what's going on in January, but stay tuned, people. That's going to be quite an impressive offering. So we'll be back with my Alonzo King interview after this station break.
Welcome back to the show. My next guest is Alonzo King, co-founder, artistic director, and choreographer of Lines Ballet. In advance of his company performing one evening only, January 20th at Sagerstrom Hall in Costa Mesa, presenting a repertoire spanning 24 years. I cannot wait. A little bit about Alonzo King. I'd like first to honor that he is a descendant from a remarkable line of civil rights activism in Albany, Georgia, where he was raised before his parents later settled in California. And I want to say legacy is probably one of the strongest lines anybody could be putting in their work. Alonzo King's been called a visionary choreographer, altering the way we look and think about movement. You'll hear that straight from him today. Mr. King calls his works thought structures, created by the manipulation of energies that exist in matter through laws which govern the shapes and movement directions of everything that exists. Named as a choreographer with astonishing originality by the New York Times, Alonzo King Lines Ballet has been guided by his unique artistic vision since 1982. We'll review a recent New York Times piece on these very issues. Alonzo King's contributions appear in the repertories of the world's leading ballet and modern companies. He's collaborated with distinguished visual artists, musicians, and composers everywhere. His work has been recognized for its impact on the cultural fabric of the company's home in San Francisco, as well as internationally by the dance world's most prestigious institutions. Alonzo King was named a Master of Choreography by the Kennedy Center and is the recipient of the NEA Choreographers Fellowship, the Jacobs Pillow Creativity Award, the U.S. Artist Award in Dance, New York Bessie Award, the National Dance Project Residency and Touring Awards, and the Doris Duke Artist Award. Joining historic icons in the field, Alonzo King was named one of America's, quote, irreplaceable dance treasures by the Dance Heritage Coalition. He's a former San Francisco commissioner and a writer and a speaker on humanity and art, a recipient of the San Francisco Arts Medallion Award and inducted into the California Hall of Fame. Alonzo King holds an honorary doctorate with Dominican University, California Institute of the Arts and the Juilliard School. We're recording this on January 8th from UC Irvine, graced by dancer choreographers, the late great Donald McHale and the current S. Ama Ray. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Alonzo King. So glad to be here. Hi, Claudia. I can't believe you brought up the name Donald McHale. I adore Donald. He was the first company I danced with. I knew he had to be mentioned, and his greatness was also marked by his humility in supporting everybody in the, the School of Performing Arts here at UC Irvine. He And he came even right up, in, you know, with this wheelchair up to watch what the newer talents were bringing. So I'm, I knew we had to bring him up. So let's begin. The Lines Ballet, the performance, seeks to answer the very basic question of what it means to be human through movement, music, and the power of sharing the experience together. So lines, spelled out all in uppercase, it refers to everything that is happening on the stage and out into the audience. Is that correct? And, uh, and all yeah, the places. I, I, I think it's, um, it reflects everything. The, the energy of a direction is line. The point of a on a graphic chart is line. Um, a line is spoken word. Line is genealogy. Line is dot to dot in a mathematical equation. Um, yeah, I think that lines is really talking about the human experience. And legacy that I mentioned in your introduction, I think that that has to be like the the sort of more for, the most forceful, the thickest of all the lines in this whole production. Yes, I uh, was fortunate to come from a family where people actually believed and behaved the same way. They didn't speak one way and live another. My father was the president of the Albany Movement, 
and Martin Luther King came and worked with him, many, many, many civil rights luminaries. But in that town, human beings were ready to give their lives for what they believed in. And experiencing that as a kid was incredibly inspiring and incredibly intimidating at the same time. Thank you. Thank you for that. So you you work with a range of traditions. I'm, I'll name some uh, presumptuously. Blues, Italian Baroque, pop, and jazz, along with Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and Tibetan Buddhist music. And your collaborations are with legends. Tell us, would you please, Alonzo King, about how you draw from the sources of your creations? Well, for me, uh, music is language, and so I'm drawn to all kinds of music. For me, a layman is a layman, whether it's in Urdu, English, or Chinese. So I've never had that barrier where there was a kind of music that I wasn't drawn to, particularly music that was heart-born. I'm often drawn to the the religious music of many, many cultures and uh, lullabies and children's songs because they're so heartborn, as well as, you know, large symphonies. But music is the world that dance lives in. And so I see dance and movement, sound and vibration is exactly the same thing. So... And I, I want to bring that uh, that theme through here with uh, some references to some other recent cultural contributions. But you've, meanwhile, you've brought your phenomenal troupe together, focusing on the current one. It's 12 amazing dancers that sort of say the United Nations. How Talk about bringing those choreographers, the ones that are going to be performing, those 12, here at the Sagerstrom uh, later this month. They are dancers who I've worked with for years. There's a couple of new ones who've just joined. And what is interesting about these dancers is that they have decided that they are more interested in bringing something to the art that no one ever has before, which is themselves. And so they are originals. I'm drawn to originals. They're not imitating anyone. They're not copying they are working daily on trying to get as close to their own voice as possible. And in the end of any discipline that you've given your life to, the point is self-discovery. And so we're all in that search to find out who and what we really are. That's one of the fulfillments of life is to, is to discover who am I? What am I behind my name, race, gender, location, all the things that were brought to me by um, my family. What am I beyond all those, those minor identifications? And those are the veils that each of us has to pull off to find out who and what we really are. And what we really are is consciousness. And it's why when you sleep well, you know whether you slept well or not because your consciousness is always aware. So finding out who that I is is one of the biggest things that we have to do on planet Earth, and these dancers are really involved in that, and they bring a richness to movement that I think is unique. And that is no small exercise when there is technique always involved with dance. So there's there's a lot on the plate of your dancers, therefore. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, technique is involved in everything. I mean, how you use the fork, the way that you get up from a chair, how you address people, everything is technique. If you want to, if your heart feels narrow, and you want it to be more expansive, there's, there's techniques to mm -hmm. make that happen. So I think it's hard to get away from technique. It's just kind of the mechanics of how things work. I had a teacher once who used to say, for those of you who feel flinty in your heart, listen to Chopin. For those of you who feel unbrave, listen to Beethoven. You know, and, and what was he saying was, when you listen to that music, you're inhabiting the consciousness 
of those composers and it can change you. Well, I, I so want largely, yes, I'm sorry, go largely ahead. for me, Claudia, I think that we on planet Earth, whether we want to admit it or not, we have to be involved in some kind of self-reform. We're not here to just stay the way we are. We're here to find expansion so that by the end of our lives, we said, my God, I have grown. My God, I have changed. I'm closer to what I really and truly am. You don't want to be, a, a, as Yogananda says, the psychological antique. You want to grow. You want to expand like everything in, in nature does. It wants to expand. The seed wants to expand. The tree wants to expand. The bird wants to expand. Gems want to expand with their radiance. That's what we do. And so for a human being to not expand, it's a waste of life. We need to expand. And keep expanding. That That is a, right. an organizing principle for what I what I set out daily. So I, I, that is remarkable. For those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Alonzo King, co-founder, artistic director, and choreographer of Lines Ballet. His company will be performing one evening only, January 20th at Sagerstrom Hall, 7.30 p.m. that January 20th. Well, I... I just saw it last week. I had it wasn't soon enough, but I I I'm thinking about the new feature film, American Fiction, which expresses on so many layers, including uh, uh, many things, but it includes the relatability of Black creative work. So I want to know if that sort of if that new film gives more space for all creative, black creative work for, for greater acceptance, for, for receptivity, for respect, for a deeper understanding. Is that, do you, do you see that that can be ser serving that kind of role? I did not see um, or read that, I didn't see that film, but um, I think that all work, you know, I, I really think that every human being is some kind of an artist. And if not, there should be an investigation as to why not. Because we are all here for the same thing, and that is the art of living. That cannot be separated. It is not, uh, you know, no matter what kind of work you do, our change and our process has to be a cleansing process. And that's what I'm talking about, uh, reforming ourselves so that anything that hinders our effulgence, anything that blocks our light, has to be cleaned up and removed. And so all of us are canvases, all of us are works of art that have to be um, luminous. And, and, and bringing that luminosity out of these canvases is work. And so the, the highest art is the art of living. How do we live? How do we behave? You know, movement begins in the mind first. Yes. And the mind and how you think determine how you behave. And what is behavior? Behavior is movement. It's how you move around in the world. And so I believe that all people are artists because we're trying to, plainly put, we're trying to get back to bliss. Well, when I'm thinking of the, the dancers you were talking about that you've been working with, the 12 that we're going to see at Sagerstrom later on this month, and I'm thinking of the what's woven into what the New York Times published in the Sunday art section featuring, they quote, the African artists driving a cultural renaissance. Their creative talents that are featured here spanning many geographies. Some of them are multi-continental connected and many types of artistry, all at what the paper calls the center of a cultural shift. And I'd like to quote a few of these speakers, of these feature artists, for you to respond to. Because and I'm just, I'm, it's just wonderful hearing how expansively you're bringing your your creative work. So the first one is Leslie Laco. She's an architecture curator and writer, and I'm quoting her. There is a narrative of lack that continues to dominate perspectives of the global south. 
Imagination and creativity are perceived as a prerogative of the global north, but Africa's unique context, which is both hugely challenging but also hugely creative, makes it a powerful place from which to examine the issues that will dominate the next century from climate and societal change to new forms of governance. That's, that's one quote from her. And then a photographer, Omar Victor Diop, he says, I'm fascinated and surprised about how Africa is still present in everything an African-American would do. They don't even realize it. End of the quote. If you would like to respond to that kind of multi-continental, multi-generational, millennial kinds of legacies there. I think that there is nothing that is not African. It is woven into American culture. It can be delineated and pointed to, but most people won't even recognize it. Africa is America. It's inseparable. It's interesting how the 20th century artists, where were they looking? They were all looking to the indigenous and to the, and to the primordial. And so I don't, I don't, I don't think um, it's not a surprise to me. You know, one of the mistakes and hindrances that we find in our poor educational system is the idea that we have come from an inferior past and we're now at the pinnacle, the zenith of civilization, which is absolute nonsense. We still do not comprehend the pyramids on whatever continent they exist, in Giza, Mexico, and in China. We still haven't grasped what our predecessors, those giant minds, understood easily. And so that has to be dismissed, that we are not at the pinnacle of civilization. We're on our way, and science is doing the amazing things, amazing technological things are happening, and yet, as human beings, we still don't even know how to get along. And so there is that dichotomy, but in terms of Africa, it was, it was, it's been woven into the birth of America. There's more lines. That's, the, the, that's lines. Yes, that's right. Every time you say we, that's what I'm, I keep hearing. Well, I'd, I'd like to know um, what, what I mean, you've explained it in a way already, but there may be an additional way of addressing what is it you want your audience, that's that, that line uh, to them from the performer to the audience, what do you want your audience to take away from your performances? I, and I mean that with all... Uh, genuine, uh, humble sincerity, uh, earnestness about that? I think that um, that's tricky because mm. what the, crea the, the seats that people are sitting in when they're watching the work, those are also creative people. And yes. so what they take away would be interesting for me to hear because it would be their own perspective. And you have to admire that. And you have to not interfere with that. People see, as the Talmud says, they see not things, not they don't see things as they are, they see things as they are, as individuals. So that's very, very personal. In terms of my messaging, I'm saying repeatedly, work after work, that we are not weak, whining mortals, that in fact we are immortals who have access to unfathomable power to overcome all obstacles and to never give up. Wow. There you have it. So, and to speak to another a creative mind who brings along the, the ballet, a, a, a creative mind I would love to have in that seat next to me, although I don't know that he, he will be in town, but I want to call out the work that author Casey Gerald who wrote in uh, his essay published around, it was, I think it was the fall of 2019, The Black Art of Escape. And amazingly, Alonzo King, Casey opens with a reference to Alvin Ailey's revelations. And, the, and Nina Simone's Sinner Man is a song that is paired to that performance. So that 
that that would be the the like the penultimate creative person to take in who sees who's making many many lines through uh, drawing these many lines through uh, so many different kinds of reference points and his in which i'd say casey's probably in his late 30s now and in his and his um, expansive as it can be mind and that that's those yes uh, that's to speak to what kind of a an penultimate experience of another creative person but do you feel can, i mean you can can you sense that that sizzle back is there a feedback that's palpable in your audiences that that creative impulse of them receiving your performances yes often there is it depends on where you are sometimes you feel it at the very beginning there's a electrical ping in the air and sometimes you don't feel it until people can be you don't hear a sound mm. they're so focused and then at the end they're very explosive and so you know we tour a lot around the world and it's interesting to find out how differently people do respond but yes it is true that there is a familiarity that they they, they, there's a familiarity, but there's also something that seems new to the audiences. Okay, thank you. I would like to close with a. It's a. It's a sort of a, an indulgence. Uh, what is Alonzo King a new story that you're working on telling? Um, I think that. The stories are really, in their essence, similar. But the focus in the work and in all of our development, meaning the dancers, myself, um, designers, is more and better. Those two words stay with us, and they're going to remain with us until we leave the planet more and better. That's what we're always working on. Okay. Thank you. Well, I'm Thank you. I'm looking very forward to January 20th. Thank you today for your time, Mr. King. You're very welcome. Thank you. My guest was Alonzo King, co-founder, artistic director, and choreographer of Lines Ballet here in advance of his company performing one evening, January 20th, at Sagerstrom Hall. Information about tickets is available at scfda.org. All the best, and happy good New Year to you and yours. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. And uh, speaking of art and creation, Laguna Art Museum is wrapping this Saturday their exhibition of 70 pieces from Self-Help Graphics with a special panel discussion and a closing reception with artists and self-help graphics leaders. They'll discuss the past, the present, and future of self-help graphics art, including the support of artists and its role in the evolution of Chicana and Chicano, Chicanx, Chicanoex practices. So hope to see some of you there. It's a worthy two art institutions meeting. That's my wrap. Next week, my guests, Cameron Cummings Anderson, and Kimberly Martinez, possibly a DJ from KUCI, too, will talk about how young women are navigating college and graduate school applications in a post-Dobbs and maybe even a post-DEI world. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>